In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You are advised that any view expressed by the host or their guest are not necessarily the views of the owners or management of Toginet Radio, Togi Entertainment, or the Owners Group, Inc. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone. Wow. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Rod Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, and I'm unbelievably losing my voice. And with me, uh, New England's own Van Helsing, with me, my co-host, all the way from across the pond, no, actually, from the North Pole, I understand, Mr. Richard Felix. You've got it. How are you doing? I'm back from the dead. <laughs> how, are you, died. how are you doing? I, you, you got snow there, right? We got a lot of snow, guys. You would not believe it. I have never, I have never seen anything like it in all my life. It is an absolute picture postcard. Um, it's been. We've had snow now for the best part of ten days, uh, which is absolutely. Unbelievable for, for the UK. I mean, we, we hardly ever get snow at all, but when we do, we get a little bit in January. Uh, we had a bit, obviously, last, well, this year, you know, January and February, but no, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, it it's, it's beautiful. Uh, and we're getting the, these, we, we call it, a, I don't know what you call it, a really heavy frost. We call it a hoar frost. Um, it's got to, nothing to do with whores. I think it's H-A-W. <laughs> I don't think it's W-H-O-R-E, but I think it's oh. H-A-W. Um, somebody may correct me on that. But it, it, it just looks every day as if it's been snowing. It looks like Helsinki. It, it's beautiful. It really is. But it's very difficult doing ghost walks, I'll tell you. Really? Well, it's so cold. Yeah, but I, you'll, I, I was, you'll see lots out. of ectoplasm. Been... Sorry, I missed that, Ron. You'll see lots of ectoplasm from your breath. With, yeah, yeah, I was doing, um, uh, doing a ghost tour last night. We, I, I, I can't understand why, why we're so busy um, doing ghost tours. We've, you know, I've been doing this for 18 years, uh, and we're, we're, we're sort of like out Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Saturday night, uh, and sometimes doing three, three, three tours in a night. Um, something's happening in Derby. I don't know what it is. Last night, Ron, I was, I was underneath um, a, an old medieval bridge, in the centre of Derby, where three Roman Catholic priests were hanged, drawn and quartered um, in 1588 at the time of the Armada. Um, the mist was rising from the, from the water and the snow and the... I, I, I've never seen such a, a spooky sight in all the years that I've been doing... Uh, ghost tours and, and there I am standing there listening and waiting nothing happened nothing happened at all you know most disappointed but you can't win them all can you 
Has anything but, exciting happened over there? Is it snowing? No snow. I, besides me losing my voice, uh, yeah, I've been ill for quite a while. Actually, since the last time I think we talked, uh, which has been a fortnight, I believe, right? Right, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't know what's uh, going on. Uh, I You're think fading. I'm, I'm fading? You're fading away, yeah. Oh, it God. It's paranormal. Yeah. All right. well, it could be the signal. It could be the. It could be the ice. Ice on the line over here that's doing it. Am I all right? Can you hear me? Okay. Can you hear me now? Yeah, that's better. Yeah, I'm going the old-fashioned way. No more headset. Maybe the headset's gone. But I've tried two or three different headsets. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> there you go. You see. Yeah. So come on, tell me anything new, anything exciting, uh, any new sightings of ghosts over there or anything? Uh. Well, you know. The funny thing about it is we've had this big thing where this firefighter went into a fire and he came out and uh, he had um, a smudge on his jacket. And everybody told him that it looked like his brother who had just passed away in uh, Afghanistan. So that's a big deal around here. Good Lord. Oh, so that's... that's, that's You mean it was a... The smudge resembled the face of his brother. That's what they have. Wow. That's an interesting one. Um, I, Any comment? I'm, listen, listen, Ronald, I, I'm, I'm starting to get slightly concerned because I'm getting... Do you remember months ago we, we, we had something like a, um, a, bre- a heavy breathing? On the line, on the line. I'm, I'm, I seem to be getting it again tonight. Like uh, it sounds like something off most haunted, like a <sighs> on the line. Can you hear it? I do not. You did not hear it. Oh my no. God! I mean, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's as if there's someone sitting there, sort of. Oh, um, really heavy breathing. Um, and I'm, I'm not hearing it now. But I was hearing, all the time you were talking, mm. I was hearing this heavy breathing in the background. So, I know that the last time we talked, uh, well, I don't know what that is, Richard, but the last time we talked, you were doing a Dining with the Dead, uh, UK yeah. style. So, how, how did that go? Fantastic. Absolutely amazing. Um, I did it on uh, this Saturday night uh, in a heavy, heavy snowstorm. Um, it went an absolute, we had a, about four people uh, couldn't make it, but it went an absolute treat. Um, because, I mean, obviously, I, we do it in Derby Jail, which is, I, I believe, such a terribly appropriate place to do it. Because, we, you know, we talk about being with dead... I mean, there's dead people all around us. People committed suicide in the cells where people are sitting in the corridor. Um, people were hanged outside. And, and, and many of the... the, the the people that were executed uh, are buried in the in the yard at the back of back of the place. So these these people really are dying with the dead, mate. I'm telling you, it's uh, it was quite went to treat. We did a three course meal, which was um, jail broth, poacher's pie, and death by chocolate. <laughs> All right, what is poacher's pie? Poacher's pie is game pie. Chicken, venison, um, partridge, pheasant, and and hare—all of the things that the poachers, of course, it was a hanging offence, of course, in in, in Great Britain, um, as I'm sure it probably was in America as well. 
from 1800, you, you know, poachers were hanged. Um, and in fact, here's one for you. Um, one, of the, one of the many hanging offences was appearing on the street with a sooty face. Really? Which is... I'm hearing it again, Ron. Are you not hearing this? Boy? This? No. This? Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, appearing on the street with a sooty face was a hanging of fates in Great Britain. Because obviously you'd, you, you'd blackened your face, you were a poacher. <laughs> but so, anyways, I know that we have a guest uh, on the line. So let's, uh, before we bring him on, let's get an episode of Beyond Bizarre in, And then uh, we'll bring on our guest who is Indeed Michael Cardi. Rising from the Grave. In his book, Scottish Body Snatchers, True Accounts, author Norman Adams paints several gruesome tales of premature burial and inadvertent rescue. Among them is the account of Maggie Dixon, who was hung in 1724 in Inveresk, presumably for a self-induced abortion that she had attempted to conceal. Maggie was hung in the town square, and it is said that the hangman pulled and swung on her legs once the noose was tightened and the ladder was kicked out, just for good measure. She was cut down, apparently dead, and her body was put in a cart by her relatives to be taken home for burial. Along the way, the family and friends of the deceased Maggie stopped for a drink. While the mourners were inside the alehouse, Maggie regained consciousness. Her weak cries attracted help, and she was revived by a local surgeon. Later, she was granted her freedom and went on to live many years, being widely known as Half-Hanged Maggie. A similar tale is one from Aberdeenshire, where Marjorie Elphinstone was buried alive and roused from her premature, eternal slumber by a grave robber who was trying to steal the rings from her fingers. And there is the story of the minister's wife, Margaret Halcrow. She was saved from an untimely fate when a sexton attempted to rob her grave and found her alive. Her husband was quite shocked to find her knocking on the door one evening. A terrifying tale from Varla Ventura's Book of the Bazaar, available now wherever books are sold. So, what do you think? Hey, I need a copy of that book. Um, <laughs> yes, it's rather funny, that, that uh, Maggie Dixon story. Um, I had a guy down from... Uh, the BBC TV uh, a few months ago, and he was telling me, he came down to Derby Jail, and he told me about this Maggie Dixon. He actually sent me a copy of um, The Penny Dreadful, um, all about her her, her hanging and, and revival. Um, do, do you know what a Penny Dreadful is? Over here, it's a, uh, a woman who narrates uh, B-movies. <laughs> but I'm sure you have a different... <laughs> no, no, there's, there's actually a character named Penny Dreadful. Well, I'll tell you what it is. That before, before you were executed, the local newspaper came and interviewed you and wrote down your life story and printed it and then sold it at your execution, at your public execution, for a penny a sheet. Oh, so it's like uh, a little program. It was a program, like a, like a rock concert program. Yeah, absolutely. And it was known as, it was called a penny dreadful. Uh, and I've actually got a copy on my computer of of Maggie Dixon's Penny Dreadful, telling the whole story of what happened. Absolutely true. Um, well, we yeah, also I, talk, unfortunately we got a uh, we have a uh, a guest in the line, so we better bring him on before he falls asleep on us. Hello, Michael. See, too late. He's asleep. What? Michael, talk to me. Are you there? <laughs> I'm not all there, but I'm here. <laughs> 
Nice to talk to you, my friend. You, you want to uh, introduce uh, Mr. Michael uh, for us? Uh, Mr. Michael Michael Totti is a scouser. Um, that means he's from he's from Liverpool, and he's um, one of, in my opinion, in my opinion, one of the most credible mediums that I've ever met. Um, I'm, I'm bullying it a bit, you know, I'm bigging him up here a bit, but um, he, he's he's a down to earth, doesn't profess to be anything special. Um, reckons he's no more use than an EMF meter. <laughs> and uh, Michael, good evening. How are you? I'm cold. Yeah, we're all cold, mate, over here. Yeah, but well, I must have, I, I want to be a polar bear there, though. You know what, I was just, you were talking about ghost walks before. I'll tell yeah. you what, these last few weeks doing some of these ghost walks, the, the people were taking on the walks are paler and cold and the bloody ghosts were looking at. <laughs> True, isn't it? Yeah, now, it come is. on, Michael, explain, but, explain yourself. To, tell everyone out there what, what you are, what you believe to be, because you're, you're very different to the usual, I mean, number one, Michael was a soldier. Um, and fought, I believe, in the Falklands War. Well, yeah, a few things, a few places, yeah. Yeah, so the he's, thing is, you see, it's, it's all about stepping into the background. Um, a great surgeon isn't given a gift to... Can you hear me? Yes, of course we can. Yeah. Yeah, a great surgeon isn't given a gift so he can stand out and do it and all this. And, and I, I just see myself as a tool, as part of a, a, of a great plan that we've got. I think, I think the almighty, the other side, you give us these tests and these things to find out. So to, get, so, so to give us some, some sort of thing in life that we can get involved in, we can, we, we can interest ourselves in. Because if we knew everything, there'd be nothing to do, would there? That's very true. You know, very boring. It, it, exactly, life would be boring. And I think a medium, a true medium, is somebody who says, look, I don't want to go on stage, I don't want jewels sticking out of every hole in my body, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the centre of attention. I'm just part of a team. I have got, I, you know, like a good goalkeeper. Okay, I'm part of the team, but I'm not the whole team. I'm just part of that team. You're not the captain. Yeah, well, you, you, you know, you're not the star of the team. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I like, uh, Ron. That's what I like so much because uh, I, mean, I think you've heard me say this before. But most most TV shows that have a, a medium on them, um, the whole show tends to centre around the medium. In other words, yeah. everybody bow down right. to the medium. Yeah, take, the medium now coming away. on. Yeah, it's taken away from the core of the theme of the show, which is to find proof of the paranormal and ghosts. And what it becomes is, let's test the medium. That's correct. My and phrase so exactly. Couldn't agree never, more. ever. Yeah. So by putting the, a medium in who thinks he's God's gift, you, you, excuse me, Fred, but you've buggered up your, your show from the start. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, don't, you, I don't do this. I'm better than anybody. You know, you see it all over the paper. I'm the world's best medium. Prove it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I know where you're coming from. I'm the world's best person to drown it. Prove it. <laughs> you know, you can't. Yeah. So, in other words, you, you, you have what I believe to be a gift, um, yeah. but you, you, you don't exactly flaunt it. You, you're, you're not, you know, because you see, when, when the medium comes onto the TV show, um, especially with most, you know, it was sort of everybody bow down and, and the whole show then, yeah. right, so-and-so, um, uh, right, David, what, right, Derek, right, Gordon, right, so-and-so, what are you seeing? Tell us all about it. You know, and, and they just spend exactly. the rest of the show telling you about what they're seeing, but we can't yeah, but see like that. It's like, you know, it's like 
Okay, if you want to see a ghost, you know, if you want to see people doing a genuine ghost hunt, watch a ghost hunt program. If you want to see someone getting the backside kissed, go on the Adult Channel. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what you know. That's what it seems to me. And you know, it's very clicky and all that. And I don't do it. I'll, I, I go off to places on my own, sit there all night. I know what I see. I know what I hear. I'm an intelligent bloke. You know, I mean, I've had my IQ tested, and it surprised me. You know. <laughs> I mean, I've got an IQ, you know, that's, that's double the whole of the Everton football team. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't sort of run out saying, I've seen, I am marvellous, I've contacted somebody. That gives me a nice warm feeling that says, right, you know the place, you know what's here. Let's see if we can get some evidence. Because evidence is, the, it's not whether the medium says this, that, the other. A medium can look on the website or he can pick mm. up information, whatever. That's, any stuff a medium comes out with, where it's actual given information, to me, is, is always suspect. Yeah. What the medium should be there doing is going in and locating places of energy or orbs or whatever and saying, right, I'm feeling activity in that part there. Can you get your EMF meters in there? Can you get your gauze meters on? Let's see if we can back it up. Then the medium becomes useful. Yes. And that's about it. No, that's so basically it, all we are is like a... a a, a spiritual bloodhound. We'll take you to the prey. You kill it. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I agree with you. That's why, yeah, Ron. That's why I, I, I like. Uh, I, I like working with working with this guy because uh, he, he doesn't profess to be. And I mean, most most of what the work you do, you, you don't charge for, do you, Mike? No, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do stage work because I think that's a you know a, that hurts me that. Because, you know, you get, like, four to five hundred people going into an auditorium paying 20 quid each. You might get ten readings out. But four to five hundred people have gone there hoping to get a reading. So you got th- it's the only th- place entertainment where, unless the band's crap, you know, the 300 odd people go home disappointed. Yes. So, I mean, why, yeah, like, I, I mean... Uh, we, we actually, we actually have a comment from Kat in the Carrex uh, chat room. She no, says, "Honestly, I think mediums distract from an investigation uh, no, when no. they just when they just tell you what they perceive. There's no way yeah. to prove of it, any of it." I think well, that's, that's, what that's so true. I think the, the, the behavior distracts. Well, I, I don't know. I think I think a, a medium is like a good EMF meter or a good. Uh, it can be a, a yeah. good tool. I mean, a they can tell you things, and there are a lot of times you you can uh, verify what they say uh, and, and research, if not that yes. particular time, but in the future. That's very true. I agree with you. And, of course, you see, that is, is, is what people want to see. You know, so the medium on whatever, whatever TV show it happens to be, the medium comes along and says, right, I, I'm getting a guy that was murdered in whatever, 1728, blah, 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 blah. His body was hidden behind the, um, uh, the wall in this space or he was pushed up the chimney or whatever it happened to be. Um, then my job should have been to go and find out more, to, to be able to go and, and take down the boarding where the chimney was and have a look and see if there really is something behind there, um, to go away yeah. to, the, to the local studies library, the museum or wherever it was, and research it and report <coughs> back. 
to the to the people to say, you'll never guess what I actually found in 1723, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, there was an alleged murder okay. in that. You know, um, the bones that are found under the floor or behind the, 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 the panelling. Let's, you know, I used to, let's take them to the museum. Let's find out if they really were human bones. That's yeah. what the, the public want to want to see. They want they want follow up from the show. Can I give an example, Richard? Yeah, I don't know if you'll you'll uh, anything's come with this, but remember when we went down to Eastbourne? Yes. Right. Do you remember I saw the? I said there was a woman in the car. Yep. And I gave I gave a name to the the guy who was doing the research. That's right. Yep. Now about that car, I could not have known any of that name. No, no, no. The only reason I was given that name was to prove verification that there was something wrong with that car. Yeah, that yeah, there was right. something abnormal. That's all it was about. Correct. You know, I mean, and, and I've basically... seen so many programmes where, you know, I, I really do want to put my head in a meat grinder. What, that's the whole idea of, 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 of paranormal research, is that once, once the medium has, has said whatever they've said, it's then someone else's job, uh, either the paranormal investigator, the uh, parapsychologist, uh, the historian, to be allowed to go away and, and, yeah. and research, what, and, and, you know, hopefully report back, you know, I presume, on, on the next show. Yeah, but also... Um, at the beginning the of the next show or something like that, you see. Because the, the public want to know more. Yeah. And, and the, the, the medium's not given, the, given the, the, the chance to prove themselves. Yeah, but also make the medium responsible for the information they give as well. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm up for I mean, I'll, I'll stand up there with anyone and say, look, you know, I'll do it, and if I'm wrong, but then I'll step down. And I've yes. said that to you, haven't I? If I, if I can't cut it, I'll work. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But That's another place, though, an interesting place where the medium, I think, should take the centre stage is, you know, I've said to you, they'll never find proof of a ghost in the castle or an abbey. Yeah. What they will do is they'll find proof of a ghost in the terraced house. Oh, yes. Yeah? Because yeah. if there's some kind of haunting poltergeist, if that medium can get in and sort of bridge between the investigators and the spirit that was causing the problems and then alleviate it. That's when they should be put up there. Because then they're performing a useful purpose. Yes, indeed. But only yeah. then. Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, if you go out and investigate... Now, now have you worked uh, with uh, Michael, uh, Richard? I have. Oh yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so when you're investigating with, with Michael now on an investigation, how do the two of you interact, and and what do you see uh, Michael's job uh, in an investigation? I, I see Michael's job, to be quite honest with you, almost as I mean anybody. You know, I can stand on a battlefield, or I can stand, stay sit in a car with him, or or in a haunted location, and say, right, Michael, what are you getting? And he can say to me, well, I'm getting it. I'm getting I'm getting a guy in a green in a green suit, velvet suit, with a little goatee beard, and he's standing there, and I think his name's John. And I'm thinking, yeah, well, you know, anybody can tell me that. What I'm looking for is is for Michael to help me to prove, because I believe one of the roles of of a medium is to be able to try and solve mysteries. Yes. Um, in other words, um, standing on the battlefield, um, nobody knows where. 
where the where the where the, the soldiers were buried, for instance, um, there was there was a you know a, a burial pit, but over the years it's been ploughed and ploughed, and nobody knows where it is. So you know the idea is, Michael, come on, where are they? And then of yeah. course once we, once he says they're here. We haven't done this yet, by the way, but this is the plan. So where are they? So then we get the JCB out and we dig. And can you imagine if, you know, the idea is to then find where the bodies were yeah. uh, so that we can help lay these poor devils to rest that are actually, you know, buried in unconsecrated ground. Um, solving of mysteries. Um, that's the sort of stuff. But, I mean, some of the stuff that Michael's sort of told me, he, he, he is a mine of information. Um... And he also, you see, we, we, we look, we seem to be kindred spirits because Mike, I mean, Michael's a, Michael's a real soldier. Um, I was a, a part-time <laughs> soldier. <laughs> the sergeant major would have said that. Um, and we, we're, we're singing from, but top and bottom of it is, Ron, we're singing from the same hymn sheet. We, 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 we really are. Um, he, he doesn't sort of, he doesn't profess to be anybody special. He's just, Part of the equipment, if you like. Yeah. Um, you call me on that goat's walking the tool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's what I think that's it's it. all about. Yeah, um, I mean, and he I'm has no ego. Yeah, we can be handy sometimes. Do you remember outside the Minster? Mmm. When I kept getting that voice saying to me, the, the guy saying, look up the top, look at the third hole. In the, in, and I, I was like, and I told you, and obviously you know the story from then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely amazing. This is this is in York. Once a month, we do we do a York ghost walk uh, between mm -hmm. us um, with the two of us. And, and and Michael was saying to look up, look up, and all of us, and the group all looked up. And and this is without the word of any lie. Uh, on the top of the York, York Minster, which is a big church, was this light glowing. Um, everybody, they were taking photographs of it. Um, we have, n I have no explanation for it whatsoever. But Michael was saying, look up, look up to the third. And, and they're in between the sort of like the crenellated top. Of, it was of reacting York with Minster. you, wasn't it? Sorry? It was reacting to your voice. Oh, yeah, I was saying, I mean, and it, it kept disappearing. And then I'm standing at the bottom, you know, and this is like 200 feet above us. And I'm shouting, I'm saying, this is fantastic. If you really are there and it is you and you are an intelligent, will you show yourself again? Oh, and lo and behold, this light comes back again. It, it, it was, there was a no very good... And we had 30 people the there um, watching. Wow. It was good. It was, Ron, it was, it was good. It was very good. Um, I went back next time, standing in the same spot, absolutely Nothing. Nothing. Uh, there is, no, but but Michael again. You see, he, he went in to afterwards because he lives up there. Uh, was talking to people up there, and I mean, there is nothing up there. There is no possibility. There is no. There are no lights up there. There's nothing, is the Mike? No, no. What I said to them was that um, when we seen the light, did um, was the only way possible that it could be like sort of a building light or something to shed light on 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 the floor from the top? They said no. It's never been used since the war. Because the, oh, the, the other, it was struck by lightning a few, ten years, twenty years ago, um, and he said nobody can walk there because it's too narrow. Or they had to take the concrete away. But apparently during the war, there was a man who used to walk with a red lantern on there on bomb watch. Oh, oh I didn't know that. I, I didn't yeah. know that. And See, so when did the research, Richard? Yeah. When so they did the research, they had a big. But listen, you see, Michael did his own research as well. Yeah. When he did the Biderbeck raid. He, apparently, he was one of the ones killed. 
So, that's what it's all about, you see. But Michael yeah, lives up it. there, you see. Well, you know, well guys, I, I we're going to take I a break it. right now. You're going to have to hold on. Uh, we'll be right back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Don't International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick, our very special guest of Michael Todry, and we'll be right back after the following messages. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly kooky, the Parrax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parrax family. They're strange. Deranged. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous. As we give awards to the Bear X family. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for you to be a rock star. Get ready to rock with Rock Talk and Craig Deswalt and learn how to achieve rock star status in your industry every Tuesday afternoon at 2, 1 Central on Toginet.com. Craig Deswalt is the creator of the Rock Star System for Success. Craig will share easy tips and strategies on how entrepreneurs and businesses can use outside-the-box marketing strategies to stand out from the competition. Each high-energy show will feature interviews with celebrity rock stars as well as business rock stars. For more on Craig, the show, and the Rockstar Marketing Boot Camps, check out the website, CraigDoeswalt.com, so you can learn how to be perceived as an expert and celebrity in your field, so more people come to you to buy your services and products. Then, get ready to be a rock star with Rock Talk and Craig Doeswalt. Tuesday afternoons at 2, 1 Central on Druggynet.com. We are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with Richard Felix and Ron Kolick. And our very special guest is medium Michael Tawdry. You know, Toddy, right? Sounds Toddy yeah. sounds bad, doesn't oh, call it? Me, call me what you like. I answer to everything. Uh, you know, you know what kills me is I can never tell the accents from from the Scots to the Welsh to the Irish from, to the English. I might as well just hang it up. I'm from Liverpool. I know it's not even Scotland, but you sound Scottish to me. I might as well just like forget it. He's a Viking, Ron. Yeah, well, aren't we all? <laughs> yeah, we probably are actually. Yeah. Yeah, you could be. We could well be. Um, listen, I've got some. I mean, one of the reasons I asked Mike to come on tonight is is because um, one of well, one of my many oh, specialised subjects is is this business about um, ghosts that stay because they purely and simply because they've chosen to stay because they want to, because they liked the place, because they worked there, because because they were the landlord for for forty five years and, and brewed the best beer. And, and so they've chosen to stay. Um, then you've got the guy that, that worked in, in the factory uh, for 45 years. In the, always, you know, it was the same machine that he operated. And two weeks after his funeral, his ghost is seen back at the, back at the machine. It's his, his machine, and he stayed behind. Uh, and it, it, it's really quite amazing how, how over the, certainly over this year, um, possibly because I've, been, I've done 
started doing so many more events, talks, um, ghost events, ghost walks, and that sort of stuff, how things have have started to fit into place, I think. is Because I, I always say I've got this huge jigsaw puzzle in front of me, which is three-quarters empty. But people are starting to fill it for me. The more I talk to people, the more I give them my... Ideas, theories, ravings, call it what you will, um, the more people seem to be giving me a little bit more information. Um, and, and one of the things that I've been saying for a long time is that you, you, you've got a, an, an old cottage, uh, for instance, or a house, um, where an old lady's lived all her life, um, and then her children are off hand and she, she spends a bit of money on the place, has a new bathroom and kitchen and, and, and most beautiful uh, heavy embossed wallpaper in a bedroom, which is a pride and joy. And she dies and she, she doesn't move on. She stays. She's an intelligence. She's a ghost. She's a spirit or soul or, or whatever you want to call her. Uh, and she stays behind and um, nothing happens. Nobody, nobody seems to be, nobody notices her in the house when they buy the house. And the number of times I get phone calls from people say, you know, we've lived, we've lived in the house two or three years now. We've, we've never had a problem. But all of a sudden, this old lady started to appear. And she's, she seems rather angry, and she's throwing things around, and, and she keeps appearing in the bedroom. And, and the first question I always ask is, are you doing any work? And they, oh, yeah, well, funnily enough, we've, we've been there three and a half years, but we've, we've just started to renovate the cottage or the house. Oh, yeah, because basically, you see, the number of... Um, demolition men, the number of builders, uh, the number of electricians, plumbers, decorators that see ghosts because they're, yeah. they're disturbing the property. And, and, of course, the old lady still thinks that she lives there, still thinks Most it's her house. Um, and so that's what I've been saying for years. Um, a few months ago, I, I uh, had a, a guy... Um, in a shop where I was doing a, a signing session for one of my DVDs. And all he said was, he said, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't believe in any of this, really, you know. And I said, well, not, not a problem. He said, but I said, we'll tell you a little story. He says, my, my mum died four years ago, and um, my brother's taken over the cottage. Uh, she, he's been there about four, four years, and not a problem. Two little girls he's had since. No, none of them knew grandma. And, and all of a sudden, this old lady has started to appear in the bedroom with the little girls. And on two occasions, I actually climbed into bed with the little girl. Really? Oh, yeah. Now, he says she's not frightened. Because, I mean, oh, you know this as well as me, Ron. Children are not normally... It's only when they get older, past the age of eight, and they start hearing from us things about ghosts that they start to be frightened of them. You know, it, 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 I get so many stories and, and things from people, you know, why does that old lady come into my bedroom at night, Mummy? Or, 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 or Daddy, I saw Grandad last night. You know, they're not frightened. Um, anyway, so she, anyway, the little girl describes the, you know, she says to Mummy, why does that old lady with black hair come into my bedroom? Now, the guy says to me, the amazing thing about this is that he says, my mother was 83 when she died, and we were of Italian extraction, and my mum had still got black hair. Now, most little girls, of course, or children, would re refer to the old lady with white hair, the old right. lady with, with grey hair. But no, no, this, this, anyway, the lady with black hair. And then the guy says to me, this is, by the way, this is the guy that doesn't believe in any of this, says to me, it's my mum, isn't it? And I said, I would, I would imagine it probably is, yeah. Um, he says, well, why is, she, why is she suddenly started to appear? And I said, well, one or two reasons. Number one, she may well be interested in, in the welfare of the grandchildren that she'd never seen. But the other reason is that, that, you know, is your brother doing any work? 
Oh, yes, he says. He, he, about six months ago, he started to renovate the cottage. He's having walls knocked down. And, and I said, well, that, that's it. She, she doesn't like... She still thinks it's her house. She, she doesn't like, you know, she doesn't like what's being done. I said, you need to talk to her. Or your brother needs to talk to her and say, look, Mum, this, this is... We, we live here now. This is our house. Um, so that's that one out of the way. And then a few months, a couple of months ago, I'm doing a, a ghost walk in Derby. A uh, young lady on the ghost walk telling me about the ghost in her house, a terraced house in Derby. Uh, and she says, um, nothing happened, really, till I bring, brought two girlfriends in uh, to help pay the rent. And things really started to kick off when one of the young ladies had a gentleman staying overnight. <laughs> uh oh. Right? Now, so in other words, basically what she's saying is the old lady that still lives there or thinks she does doesn't like. I'm not having that sort of thing going on in my house. And then one night she got a lad staying overnight and there was a voice in the bedroom, a voice in the bedroom of an elderly lady going, saying, This used to be my bedroom. <laughs> that was it. He was out, clothes under his arm, and he never came back again. And she said, But I'll tell you when it got really bad. When she decided to paint the bedroom pink, things were thrown around. This old lady started to appear. In other words, Ron, she didn't like. She didn't like the colour that was being painted in her bedroom. And then a few weeks ago, I was doing a Chester Ghost Walk. Started at this pub called the Golden Eagle. And the, the landlady, Di, telling us the story, all the group around me. Uh, they've been there eight years. Uh, and she said, I know who it is. She says, it's a, it's a landlord that used to, used to work, live here. Uh, it was his pub for about 40 years. And I said, does it bother you? She said, no, it doesn't bother me. Said, I must be honest with you, when we moved in eight years ago, we started to renovate the pub. Uh-oh. And she says, that's when things started. And she said, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how bad it got. She says, my husband, Stan, would come down in the morning with his painting clothes on ready. He'd walk over to the corner of the, of the pub, pick up a tin of paint, slam it down on the, on the bar and say, it's Magnolia. Is that all right for you? <coughs> oh, that's come funny. on. Listen, this is, this is Gloucester. This is Derby. This is, this is Chester. These are the same stories from different people. Of, of people that don't like what you're doing. Can I, in fact, only, only the other week on a ghost book, I had a let, me, let, me add, let me add one to you, Richard. Yes, come on, also yeah, one, on. The one, one in, uh, I think Mark Nesbitt told me this one about, no, actually it was someone in my show. Uh, they owned a house, I believe it was in Baltimore, and uh, they would put the American flag out, and ever since then they were being haunted by all these people coming in and out of their house and everything else. <laughs> And they went and finally they changed the flag to a Confederate flag, and yes. uh, they all went away. There was no more. Wow. Oh, come on. You see, listen, this is what, what I'm trying to get over to people, out, out, all of you out there, guys, is this is real. This is modern. This is not old Victorian ghost stories. These are, this is happening to people. Oh, yeah. Now. Um, and, and then, uh, oh yes, then, then anyway, another one, um, uh, this lady standing, pulling up the old, the, it was called, I don't, do you know what lino is over there? It's no. like a, um, lino is the old floor coverings that used to be in houses years ago. Oh, and she was linoleum, ripping, yeah. Linoleum, that's right. Well, this lady was pulling it up in the kitchen, and there was a guy standing over her, looking down, wondering what on earth she was doing. In other words, this old guy that used to live there, what is she doing? Why are you pulling up my lino in my 
my they, they, these these are real and this is reality and then just i'll finish here and then let, let michael come in and, and let you have a go um a lady rang me from a, um, a newspaper the other week uh wanted me to take an advert for a, a ghost event that i was doing and she says to me you know i think i've got a ghost in uh, in my bedroom i said oh really that's an tell me more so I, tell, I know who it is she says because a few years ago my my partner committed suicide and I said, oh, dear, I'm really sorry. She said, I'll tell you what. She said, do you know when it gets really bad? She says, when I bring another gentleman home for the night. Really? Thing, yeah, things start happening in the bedroom. And, and she says, I sit up in bed, and I, say, I sit there, and I say, will you, will you bugger off, she said, and leave me alone. She says, you left me. And, and she's, here she is sitting up there with a <laughs> talking to a ghost in the bedroom. Because, uh, honestly, I'm talking reality. I'm talking about these these people have not not for whatever reason have not moved on. They, they they've stayed there because they like the place because they did it up. It was their home, their pub, their car, their machine. It's it's real. Well, well come on, Mike. What, what's your take on it? Well, my take on it is you know when we talk about executions, hangings, beheadings, drug mm. courts, and the for a very short period of time, there's a vicious blast of energy that goes into the surrounding area and then yes. you get the videotape theory yeah one thing we've looked at that and looked at that and we've all agreed now that that, that is a, seems to be a possibility possibility but like yeah. everything else we've overlooked certain things some other emotions are just as strong as fear love um, yes. um duty and Let's take duty first. The guy who goes in religiously every day to the garage, he works 40, 50 years in the same place, the same job. He goes and get. he loves what he does, he's proud of what he does, he dies. There's 50 years of that pride and that love of his job being soaked up by those walls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. same Hospitals. with love. Yeah, the old lady who sits in the room... She, you know, she may have been brought up pretty poor. She's got a nice room with a nice view. She's given off love all the time because she loves that place. She really, that's her, that's her in the environment. Right, she found it. And I think we don't look into that side of it. We always try and find, in a lot of cases, was there a murder? Was there yes. something horrible? Let's look at, was somebody living here? Look in the record. Did somebody live here for 40 or 50 years? Have the chance to move, but stayed because they loved it so much. Yeah, you know, and yeah. you'll find in a lot of cases that, yeah, this person stayed in that place for so long, they literally became part of the fabric because their energy, so much of their energy was soaked up by the room or the place. Yeah. Yeah. They're now part of it. Yes. You see, you and mentioned to me about your aunt, who's in her 90s, yeah. is she? Pardon? You, you mentioned something about your aunt, who's, who's 90-odd, that, that yeah. you asked to go out and you know, take her out for the weekend and... She doesn't want to. No, oh, yeah, she said, no, I, I, I'm happy here. I'm happy here, I'll stay here. I mean, yeah. I, I remember one auntie who lived near the park in Liverpool. In a, she, was quite a, she was a teacher, she was fairly wealthy, she retired, and she had a little flat that overlooked a lake in the park. And she used to sit in that window, and she sat there from when she was 60, when she got arthritis, to when she died at 93. 33 years of sitting there looking. Now, I remember when we went to take her stuff out of the flat when she passed away. Everybody yeah. there said the same. She's still here. She's yep. not gone. 
you know, we, we, yep. you could, it was almost palpable that he was sitting by the window. And people say, oh, you're just used to her being there. But are we, mm. are we, are we, are we missing another avenue to look at? The other emotions, yes. how, 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 how strong are these? These emo- Love and pride can be as strong as, as fear and shock, can't they? And tragedy and trauma. And, yes, you're right. Yeah, absolutely you know, right. People loved, like you say about the American, the, 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 the Confederate flag, people loved that so much they walked in front of cannon for it. Oh, they died for it. Exactly. Yeah, they right. walked in front of shell and shot, and, but they did it out yeah, of pride yeah. of what that flag meant to them. And, yeah. and I think that's with a lot of thoughts and the, the, the pride in what they did. They're not, maybe it's not because they died the horrible death. Maybe the pride, and, and we were talking about the Alamo and places like that. Maybe the yeah. pride of what those guys did, they're still remembered. Mm. You know, and they knew well. they were going to live forever. Did you, did you, you ever know, hear about, that, speaking about the Alamo, did you ever hear about the screaming monks of the Alamo? No. The what? The screaming monks of the Alamo? No. No. No, no, it's in it's in my new book, Ghost Today. Uh, basically, after the defeat of the Alamo, uh, uh, the general sent uh, some uh, soldiers to uh, destroy the place. And uh, as they approached, they were chased off by monks, with uh, screaming monks with fire coming out of their faces. And uh, they ran away. Then uh, Santa Ana himself uh, went, and the same thing happened again. And that's why the Alamo is still there. Nice one. Uh, I believe that. Don't yeah, know. Yeah, well, something, something was there. Whether it was yeah. really, uh, you know, screaming monks, or I'm not sure. But anyway, yeah, but you're right. A, something was there that stopped stopped yeah. the destruction yeah. of the Alamo. We, we yeah. do have a we do have a, a comment from the uh, Pararex chat room, and uh, they say, uh, you know, if a house doesn't change. And then all of a sudden, uh, someone makes renovations. Is it easier to see uh, once you pass because of uh, the time sink? Otherwise, you're when you're past, you're still living in the past, and and maybe if you have a change, the then then the, the house is more noticeable. Well, I can answer that with a question. On one one of the things I looked at for somebody, mm-hmm. um, I didn't know the situation in this house. It was no Victorian house, and they were they were being worried by. Uh, a small woman walking on the first floor. The kids were being frightened. Um, and I'd worked with these people, and they said, look, come on, will you look at it for me? And I said, yeah, sure. And it turned out that they'd moved the stairs. Um, really? Yeah, they'd moved the stairs, and they put in, like, a circular stairs, more very ornate. But they'd moved them across to the other side to do some work. Now, this spirit was walking up and down. And they felt agitated and that. And when I got, you know, I managed to make the contact, and all it was was, where's the stairs? Really? So they knew really? a change had been made, and it wasn't a, a, a video thing. It was a ghost that walked that path from the f- second floor, first floor, down into the lobby, out into the garden, most nights. But when she mm. come and saw the stairs were gone, she'd be then become a, almost like a poltergeist. She was angry. So they must be able to see change. It's interesting because I know in uh, Lawrence, and Lawrence is a, a mill city, but uh, when they um, built the, the city itself and, and some of the outlining homes, there wasn't enough good lumber around, so they actually brought some of the houses from Gloucester. And when they did that, uh, the Gloucester is by the sea, of course, uh, yeah. they, they had a, you know, cut them in pieces and stuff, and, and there, there's one particular house where uh, 
they see this ghost of a woman who goes up the stairs and seems like it goes up into the ceiling. And yeah. what they did find out when they did the research on the house was the house actually had a willow wop when it was back in Gloucester. Yeah, but there's, there's other ways too. Wow. There's other ones too. Remember that one I told you about, Richard? There in Wales, the farmhouse, and they were Go getting like um, oh, blah, 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 farmhouse. You know that one of the funny Welsh names. And I said, it's got to, you've got to look at this place because so much went on that the only it was a dream house and they only lasted six weeks. Um, they were getting a, uh, an electricity bill every week for six hundred and sixty-six pounds and and all this kind of stuff. And it turns out the farmhouse was made from a castle just down about 500 yards yeah. away, where there were some right goings on. There was witchcraft, and it was proved because of some of the etchings in the stone. You know, also, if the building material you use, you can bring that with you. Yes, it's like bringing the cassette player with you. Yeah. Yeah, I you could bring that. You've got, and that's why I would all, you know, if I was doing any renovation, I'd make sure I got new bricks. <laughs> you, know, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. So you, you could have really a big mix uh, mix of uh, spirits. If, for instance, if you took uh, if you had bricks that came in from an insane asylum, if you had bricks that came in from a jail, yes. and yes. Uh, yes. Think, well, think what you absolutely. could like, Richard, you could have. <laughs> you know, there's bars, Richard, where they've used um, the wood from. Um, the, uh, the Armada and things like yeah, that. Yeah, ships, and, uh, absolutely. Yeah. You know. There's a very famous case up in Scotland uh, of, of a, a couple that had a, a bungalow uh, built. Uh, that's a one-story house over here. Over, over here. Um, and a completely, you know, brand-new building. Um, and they used to get this... Um, monk um figure in a brown habit uh standing uh, in their in their living room uh very very close to the fire to, as it, almost as if it was warming itself by the fire um uh, and then just disappeared and after doing some research because obviously they 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 believed it to be the ground that the the building was on because they believed they were seeing a ghost until <laughs> they realized that the uh stone fireplace that was built was reclaimed stone and was from the monastery about two miles down the road. Yeah. Interesting. I hate to say yeah, this, but we've, we've run out of times, Guy. We have to run out, we've run out of times, Guy. Yes, we have. So, anyways, uh, let's uh, bring up the new episode of Cemetery Trippin' and we'll be right back to end the show. Welcome to Cemetery Tripping, where I feature cemeteries that I hope you will seek out and enjoy as much as I do. As an avid taffophile or lover of tombstones, I spend a lot of time in the local New England area in the beautiful and historic cemeteries we have here. The stones here are like no others, and I have literally thousands of pictures of the intricate and symbolic carvings found on them. You can see my pictures on Facebook by doing a search for Cemetery Tripping. Tonight, I would like to tell you about King's Chapel Burying Ground in Boston, Mass. Established in 1630, it is Boston's oldest burying ground and was located on the outskirts of what was then a new Puritan settlement. It was first called the Burying Place prior to the opening of Copps Hill Burying Ground and then called the Old Burying Place. Eventually, it adopted the name of its neighbor, King's Chapel, although it has never been affiliated with that or any other church. In the first 30 years of its existence, 
the people buried here were predominantly English-born immigrants who came to the New World seeking religious freedom and new economic opportunity. Approximately 600 gravestones and 29 tabletop tombs are left today to mark the more than 1,000 people buried in this small space, which is tucked like a bookmark amongst the old and the new buildings. Perhaps the most famous of the gravestones in the cemetery is that of Joseph Tappan, a Boston shopkeeper who died at the age of 23, of whom little else is known. It is one of the most elaborate in the burying ground and is immediately visible upon entering. It is a work of art conceived by the unnamed carver known as the Charlestown Stonecutter. Some of the beautifully carved symbolic images show a skull with wings representing the soul leaving the body, an hourglass representing time running out, a skeleton of death snuffing out the candle of life, and a bearded figure of Father Time attempting to stop death. Other notable figures who reside in King's Chapel are John Winthrop, first governor of Massachusetts, Elizabeth Payne, partial inspiration for Nathaniel Hawthorne's character Hester Prynne in The Scarlet Letter, Mary Chilton, first woman off the Mayflower, and William Dawes, who rode the midnight ride with Paul Revere. You can find Paul in the granary just down the street. But that's a story for another time. Two local legends involve that of a coffin made too short for its intended occupant. So the inept carpenter, hoping to conceal his error, supposedly cut off her head, placed it between her feet, and nailed shut the coffin so that no one would know. Another tale concerns a person rumored to be buried alive. A mob raised such a furor that the coffin had to be dug up in their presence and the corpse declared dead by doctors. One of the more interesting items in a corner of the cemetery is a large hole covered by an ornate structure of wrought iron and brick. Tourists often have no idea that this is actually a subway ventilation shaft. It was built in 1896 when Boston's subway system became the first in the country. As you move about the burying ground, you will note a common theme. The uncertainty of colonial life as disease, childbirth, and smallpox claimed their victims before their time. Seven epidemics of smallpox were experienced in Boston by 1730. Almost a quarter of the surviving grave markers in Boston's 17th century burying grounds are for children nine years old or younger. The best way to get to King's Chapel burying ground is public transportation. Park Street Station is just down the street at the Boston Common. A short walk up the hill and you will arrive at your destination. Just follow the red line of the Freedom Trail, which runs right past the cemetery. When you arrive, Take a moment to contemplate this incredible piece of history and the changes that have gone on around it. And there we go, another wow. cemetery tripping. That's awesome. cool. I like those. She she actually uh, highlights each, uh, these cemeteries in, in the area of Concord. We've done with uh, uh, Hollow Hill, of course, and then uh, uh, Boston, and I believe the other one was Old burial ground in Salem, Mass. So, oh, fantastic. I, I, I'd be cool if you could do a couple up in uh, the UK, Richard. It, I was saying to you before, it's very seldom that we do um, ghost events in, in graveyards. Very, very mm. seldom. The only one I know in the British Isles is, is, is this one that when we had the guy on the other week, um, Greyfriars Churchyard. Uh, oh, yeah, he was good, by the way, very good. He was a good guy, wasn't he? Yes, indeed. Um, but, uh, yes, very strange. Um, we just It's something that we don't seem to do like you do, um, ghost events in, in graveyards, which is strange. Right. Uh, you know, I, it, it's interesting because I know that there's this... Uh, 
uh, group, I think it's Essex County Ghost Party, they actually run several events uh, a month in the cemetery, uh, and uh, the money they raise goes for the preservation of the cemetery. Well, that's that's great. That's a good idea. But it's obviously a ghost event, isn't it? You know, they're, they're yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely a ghost event. Yeah. You go ghost Is, do, they, do you ever get complaints or, or sort of criticism or anything from, from the public or, or from people that, that, you know, have got loved ones buried there or anything? Well, you, you can. We, we used to do an event, uh, we still do an event in, in Salem every Halloween, a couple of them called Spectral Evidence. Yeah. And what we used to do is uh, take people into the cemetery and then... Uh, uh, my son almost got arrested, so that kind of ended that. So, <laughs> really, now we go by the cemetery. <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, I did that. I actually did that when I was with you. When we went by, and they were telling us that you know we couldn't actually go in the cemetery. So, uh, but I just find it strange because I say we we although we're sort of losing, seem to be losing our our faith. I think more than you are in America. It's something that we don't seem to do. You know, go and do ghost ghost events in graveyards. Perhaps it'll change. Perhaps I should that start one in it. London with the vampire. Say again. What about the one London. in London? That's your yeah, Highgate, Highgate, Highgate Cemetery. Yeah. But when I went there to film, they wouldn't let me in. And I had to break in through the railings, <laughs> which is on the DVD, by the way, Ghosts of London, at only nine ninety nine. Signed copies available. <laughs> where, where could they get that, Richard? They can get it from FelixFilms.net. FelixFilms.net. www.felixfilms.net. And 37 different ghost DVDs I've got uh, on there. Right. Uh, and, make make and some you can... Christmas presents. Right, excellent Christmas present. Uh, if you but of course, the... they can also. Sorry, Laurent, they can also do it from on loads of downloads, loads of downloads, which of course they can do, download rather than having to uh, have it sent out to them. So yeah, that's, two that's ways an excellent it. idea because I don't know if you know this, but uh, your DVDs and our DVDs do not uh, they're not compatible. Not compatible. No, that's right. So downloading them, of course, would be is the, is the perfect way, and it's Absolutely. cheaper. I think it's a great yeah. idea. It's lots of downloads. dot com. Loads, loads, a download. Loads at downloads. dot com. There so you go. Go out there and buy them, guys. <laughs> I, I do want to mention one special thing I have coming up uh, on uh, Wednesday, the twenty second. We're doing a live uh, broadcast of Ghost Chronicles, uh, the regular edition, uh, Wednesday night. That's a Wednesday night from seven to eight at the Circles <laughs> of Wisdom, and we're going to have angelologists. Uh, America's angelologist uh, Elizabeth Foley. We'll be having uh, um, Dorothy uh, Morgan, who will be looking uh, astrology-wise into the new year. Uh, we'll also be collecting socks for the homeless, and, and we'll have a free drawing for uh, a free reading by Laura uh, for those who bring in socks. And it'll be—it's uh, all free. It's twenty percent off everything in the store. Plus, um, we'll also have snacks and stuff. So it'll be a lot of fun. Fantastic. Great. And I'm doing a very special event on, on Friday night with um, uh, a group called Ghost Night Events. I'm actually doing ghost stories, uh, mulled wine and mince pies and ghost stories around the log fire and uh, uh, paranormal uh, investigations with a meal. Uh, but they have to go to Ghost Night Events uh, to book. So I've still got places for that. Um, there you go. I mean, I, I've listened to Richard uh, and, and, and gone to, uh, you know, worked with Richard at events before, and he's an awesome storyteller. It's definitely worth seeing. So if anyone's in that area, I would certainly uh, go to this. I, I highly recommend it. But it's time I, to wrap it up. 
And Michael, I shall be seeing you on Thursday night, because Michael and I are doing a ghost walk in York together. Uh, Thursday night, 7 o'clock at the Golden yeah. Fleece, if anybody wants to come. George yeah. Barron saying good night. God bless all. Cheers. Bye-bye. Speak to you some other Richards. Bye, yeah, everyone. To it. Night. From goodies to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.